Welcome to The Definitive Rap, where we report the truth about American exceptionalism. We love our flag, we love our country, and we believe in America. The Definitive Rap, where we respect people of faith, the men and women in blue, and our support for Israel. And now, your hosts, Bela Sebrow and Cindy Gross. Together, they are The Definitive Rap. Hello, I'm Bela Sebrow with my co-host Cindy Gross, and welcome to The Definitive Rap. We thank Venus for hosting our show. Today, we give tribute to a billionaire on the Forbes list of the world's wealthiest people who cared about Israel and the Jews, and also one of the most prolific donors in conservative politics. This week was his yard site. Today, we give tribute to Sheldon Adelson. And we memorialize what he has done for the United States and Israel. In fact, he was one of the first super wealthy Americans to take advantage of the Supreme Court's Citizens United ruling, which was created the open, which has created the open door to eight and nine figure political donations, so long as the money does not go to candidates or party committees, but rather to independent super PACs. Together with his lovely wife, Miriam, they built an empire of charity and goodwill to benefit people throughout the world. When Sheldon left this world on January 11th, it was a loss to all. Our esteemed guest today, Jonathan Tobin, who is an award-winning journalist, is also editor-in-chief of JNS, a senior contributor for The Federalist and a columnist for The New York Post, Newsweek, and Haaretz. And he is host of the new podcast, Top Story with Jonathan Tobin. He just featured a beautiful tribute to Sheldon in his JNS column. So welcome to the definitive rap. Thank you. <laughs> thanks. Thanks for having me back on, Bale. It's great to be here. Always with you. a pleasure. Before we go on, I want to welcome aboard again. Um, I, I gave tribute to uh, last week to, uh, to our uh, esteemed guest, esteemed co-host. And I want to do this again. I want to welcome aboard again, my prestigious co-host, Cindy Gross. Thank you so much. Jonathan, what I've always found so fascinating about Sheldon, who I've met on a number of occasions, and one of the things that no one will ever disagree with is exactly how you wrote in your tribute to him, that with Sheldon, it was not so much about how he made his money, but the manner in which he gave so much of it away. For our audience who have not been privileged to know him personally and who have never met him, can we talk a little bit about that? Well, I think, you know, they, in, in the piece that you referenced, I tried to draw a contrast um, between him and most of the other people who are on the Forbes uh, list of billionaires. And, you know, he wasn't the cool billionaire. He was, you know, a little old Jewish guy. If you, you know, quite frankly, he, he never lost that working class look or feel about him. Um, and, um, you know, he wasn't, you know, let's go skiing in Vail. And, you know, he, he wasn't a very fashionable kind of person. Um, and he didn't support fashionable causes. He wasn't, you know, sort of the boutique liberal, 
you know, which is how most billionaires uh, manage to buy their way out of bad coverage and the usual abuse and jealousy and hatred that most people have for rich people. You know, they 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 uh, they do what the chattering classes want them to do. And Sheldon Adelson had no interest in doing that at all. He was uh, sort of a stereotypical uh, post-World War II American Jew with that mindset of, I need to remember the Holocaust. I need to support the state of Israel. You know, and he never he never budged from it. And what was interesting about him, I mean, there were many things that were very interesting about him. Um, you know, obviously he was a pretty smart guy, um, you know, made a lot of money um, sort of uh, in his early years, you know, sort of made and lost fortunes and sort of, you know, he was like a serial entrepreneur from uh, being a kid up until his adult years. But he hit big uh, when he, you know, started a computer show in Las Vegas with some partners um, in the 1980s. It wound up, you know, becoming an enormously successful business. And then he bought the former hangout of the Rat Pack, the Sands Hotel, um, and turned it from, you know, a mere gambling den into a, you know, resort, uh, destination resort. And with, you know, his wife's, you know, he and his wife had this idea, let's turn it into Venice in the middle of the American desert, which, you know, I have to say, if somebody had told me that idea 30 odd years ago, I'd have said that sounds pretty, pretty dumb to me, but they were right that, you know, it turned into this billion dollar business. Uh, they replicated it on an even grander scale in, you know, in, in China and, and Singapore. So, you know, he's, he becomes fabulously wealthy. So what does he do with this money? I mean, he, he just proceeds to spend and give away to like every conceivable Jewish cause, every Zionist cause, every, you know, healthcare, um, you know, the list of his donations and the places that he benefited is endless. It's endless. It was, you know, it was, you know, people talk, you know, about his political donations and they were epic. His charity, his his Jewish philanthropy was epic. And at a time when most American Jews and most really rich American Jews are not giving to Jewish causes, yeah. You know, they are secular and, they, you know, and, and they have, you know, and there's nothing wrong with giving to, you know, nice charities that are not Jewish. Sure. Um, but Children Adelson, he was somebody who understood that it is his duty to support the Jewish people, to support the Jewish state. And he went all in on. It. Now, when you turn to what he did with politics, again, he was all in and all in in a kind of way that made him unique. No, you know, he's not the only person who took advantage, as you say, of the Citizens United decision of the Supreme Court, which rightly deemed um, campaign donations as a form of political speech to the founding fathers of the United States intended for the First Amendment to defend political speech. And there's nothing more like political speech than political donations. And the efforts of liberals to restrict that is a way of them trying to constrain democracy, despite they're constantly telling us that they're defending democracy, which is gaslighting, which is a whole other topic. But so he goes in with, you know, in political donations and he is, Allison is utterly single-minded. He is going to support people who are pro-Israel and not just, yeah, I like Israel. 
uh, the way, you know, the way APAC does, and, and APAC has been very effective. And I'm never going to knock APAC as, you know, sort of a terrible thing. The conceit of APAC was you give to both Republicans and Democrats, and you, you know, some are ardent supporters of Israel, some are lukewarm, some are not so hot, but you get them all in the fold, and you get people wherever they live to support their local politicians who might be pro-Israel. And it's for many, many years, it's worked. It's not working as well as it used to because bipartisanship is dead. But Sheldon is not for the strategic, lukewarm thing. He wants to give money to people who will be ardent pro- supporters of Israel. Right. And he goes all in. And once, once they're elected, he is not shy about telling them what he thinks they should do. I mean, there's a famous story about after he was a large contributor to uh, President George W. Bush, who was certainly compared to his father and most American politicians, a friend of Israel, truly was a friend of Israel, had a good heart as far as Israel is concerned, didn't necessarily do, especially in his second term, everything the Friends of Israel wanted, you know, didn't fulfill the promise about Jerusalem and the embassy, like all other presidents, because he was very attuned to what the establishment uh, wanted and told him he could do or not do. Adelson goes into the Oval, he, he's, he's allowed to visit, he's given access to George W. Bush, and he's all over him. I mean, all over him at a time when Ehud Omer is prime minister of Israel and sort of had flipped and is pushing this, you know, really dis- another disastrous peace plan, which Palestinians reject anyway. Right. And is sort of the reaction of President George W. Bush to Adelson was like, who's this old, who's this crazy old Jew trying to get me? to do all this stuff that the Israelis don't want, don't even want me to do. You want me to be more Israeli than the Israelis, more Zionist than them. So that's a typical Sheldon Adelson story. He had no compunction about pushing for what he thought was in the best interest of the Jewish people. And on the one hand, that meant enormous donations to make the Birthright Israel program possible, which has done so much good and taken hundreds of thousands of Jewish kids to Israel, which they wouldn't otherwise have visited. And yes, massive donations to Republicans, whom he understood were the ardent lockstep pro-Israel party, um, to ensure, you know, to, to hold their feet to the fire. And, you know, the, the final act of that was his support for Trump in 2016, when most, when most uh, large political donors, um, um, uh, conservatives, didn't want to back Trump um, because they didn't like him. They didn't think he was a real conservative. Adelson jumps in, goes all in, and then uses his influence to the, you know, and he wasn't the only reason why the embassy was moved. There were a number of reasons why Trump, you know, Trump's distaste, you know, and and complete contempt for the foreign policy establishment and the political establishment in Washington, and he was always going to do whatever, whatever they told him not to do. There were people who were, you know, ardent Zionists in Trump's inner circle, but Adelson really made a difference there, a historic difference. And when you add up all of these things that he did, um, you have to acknowledge. And, you know, when he died, there was an enormous amount of, you know, really brickbats thrown at him by the left and the liberal press, because they just saw him as this, you know, big conservative donor, um, heavy handed friend of Israel. Um, But what you have to say is that this was a person who understood he, he was given a unique opportunity because of his you know, enormous wealth to make a difference for the Jews. 
and to make a difference for Israel. And he took advantage of it. He, had no, he wasn't shy about it. He didn't allow himself to be constrained by the rules. You know, it's a very Trumpian aspect to him. You know, he didn't let anything stop him from doing what he thought was right. And what he thought was right was actually the right thing about helping Israel and the Jewish people. And, you know, it, it, was made, it made itself felt um, in so many different ways in Israel and in the American Jewish world. He's someone who truly left the world a better place. And he did so while not like being a curator of his image or caring what people thought about him. He couldn't have cared less. Um, and that, that's a really unique thing in today's culture and certainly for American Jewry. So, John, and this is Cindy Gross. Uh, thank you for joining us and discussing uh, the site. Uh, I was fortunate <laughs> enough to meet on several occasions, Sheldon, and I want to you, you said so many great things there. I want to just I picked up a few I want to comment on and I'd like you to follow up with. The first one is one of the reasons that Sheldon was such a great humanitarian was because he had by him his Asia's Chayel. And there is nothing what sets him apart from other people, of course, was the fact that they were a team and still a team and that Miriam is still carrying on so much of the work that he started with her and grew together. So I think that's a big part of it. The second thing you did say was one reason that I am such a big supporter of the work that uh, the Adelsons do is because they are strong supporters. They don't, they're not wishy-washy. And in this time, especially, you cannot be wishy-washy. Anti-Semitism is on the rise and too many Jews are, you know, looking to help every cause, but their cause for American Jewish issues and Israel. So what are your thoughts on it uh, to start with that? Well, certainly his wife, Miriam, Dr. Dr. Ah, you know, um, who was uh, an Israeli physician, um, was an enormous influence on him. I mean, he was, you know, he was not a highly educated person. He was not someone who was someone with real Jewish sensibilities, a real sense of Jewish uh, peoplehood, um, you know, sort of a typical of his generation with the Pintali, you know, the, the, the Jewish soul inside him. But he he was not, you know, an activist. He was not um, deeply knowledgeable, really, about these issues um, on his own. And she really helped steer him in the right direction. And he had the sake to listen to his wife, who is, you know, a remarkable person in her own right. Um, and, uh, you're absolutely right. The whole his whole legacy as a philanthropist doesn't happen if he if if Miriam doesn't come into his life and become his partner. I mean, it just it just it's just the way things are. That you know, she was an an enormous part of the story. Obviously, he was the one who made the money. You know, without without that, I mean, without his business genius, without you know this you know this his entrepreneurial uh, you know and salesmanship. You know, the, the money doesn't happen to to provide all these marvelous things, but she she puts him in that direction. And as far as his bluntness, um, you know, he he would he was presented with problems and he was just say, well, let's let's fix it in a way that nobody's well, you can't do that. You know, so it's like the situation in Israel where the media is all to the left. I mean, it, you know, uh, more Jonathan- left to the left. Than even the United States. So what does he do? He creates he creates a, a, a new newspaper that is right. open to the right. I know Bela has something, and then I have yeah. something. Sure. Go ahead, Bela. Um, 
Jonathan, it, it's, it is a well-known verse that no good deed goes unpunished. And anyone who has ever been involved in goodwill of any kind will agree with that statement. Sheldon had a share of enemies by the left, specifically by those who spent more money on politics to advance left-wing causes, namely George Soros. And I always admired Sheldon's reaction as though nothing fazed him. He knew what he needed to do, and he did it. Do you know of any instances where anyone actually stood in his way of achieving his goals? Well, um, you know, money talks. A lot of people tried to stand in his way, basically the entire uh, Israeli political and, you know, media establishment was standing in his way. Certainly the entire American Jewish establishment sought to stand in his way throughout. They weren't, you know, he got very little love you know, from from the Jewish establishment, from the leading Jewish organizations, ADL and American Jewish Committee and all. He was called out many times when he supported Trump and he was always the one named. Yeah, I mean, he, he, um, you know, so, yeah, I mean, everybody tried to stand in his way, but that's the thing about being a billionaire. You you don't have to take it, Um, you know, uh, as as Dorothy Parker, famous writer, Dorothy Parker famously said, the rich are rich are different from us. They have more money. And, you know, um, the thing about Sheldon is he wasn't afraid to use it and spend it in enormous amounts. You know, he wasn't he wasn't going to take it with him and to accomplish goals. And that's what he did. That that was what was so remarkable and interesting. And he he backed the causes and the people that he thought would do the most for the Jews and didn't allow himself to be dissuaded. And he ignored everything else. You mentioned Soros. Now, people on the right in this country are obsessed with Soros and not unreasonable because he's the biggest political donor in the world. And he spends his money on all kinds of terrible things, you know, electing district attorneys who don't believe in putting people in jail for committing crimes and backing leftist causes and people who hate Israel. And, you know, it, it's a whole thing. He helped, he helped seeded the money street. Now, my position has always been Yes, I think the things that George Soros spends his money on are terrible, but he has a right to spend his money on whatever he wants. I mean, and to criticize him for spending money doesn't make you anti-Semitic, you know, um, just as so the same thing applied to to uh, Sheldon and to any conservative donor. Um, don't tell me about how terrible it is that they're spending money on things they believe in. Take issue with what they believe in if you if you want to do that. Um, if you dare to do that, um, don't 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 bother me with trying to say that he's, you know, uh, a puppet master. It's not true. And the truth is, even the you know, if if the politicians he backed turned on him or did things he didn't like or, you know, he cut them off. And Benjamin Netanyahu is the classic case of that, who um, benefited enormously from uh, from his friendship and from his support, from Israel Hayom's support. Um, and then when it became clear that Netanyahu was prepared to, you know, sell Adelson, you know, uh, and, and Israel Hayom down the line to gain a temporary advantage in, in that silly negotiation uh, with the other Israeli publishers, you know, <laughs> they, you know, uh, Sheldon and Miriam just said goodbye. Um, and as they should, that's, you know, he was, he, there was not a lot of nuance there. You're going to be my friend. You're going to be the friend of the Jewish people. Fine. You're going to, do me ill. I'm not interested in you. So that's 
So yeah, one we- of the best ways we can uh, remember and honor Sheldon's memory today and every day is to make sure all the work that he did uh, continues. And I know through my group, Jewish Vote GOP, we are supporting uh, candidates who think like Sheldon and myself on local, state and national levels. And the other thing that I do that you do, in fact, I, I, every single day you have another great article coming out about timely issues that Sheldon would support. I would love to talk a little bit about uh, your article in Newsweek this week about the McCarthy witch hunt and what's going on. And these are the these are the issues that everybody, Democrat, independent and Republican, need to address as Jews and non-Jews if we are going to keep the legacy and work of Sheldon al- alive. Yeah, well, uh, just on one foot about the January 6th committee, um, you know, to to say that what happened in January 6th, 2021 was a disgrace is obvious. It's true. It it required uh, a response. People who broke the law deserve to be punished. What Democrats have done, and indeed, they, they lost the goodwill. I mean, right after January 6th, Trump was in trouble. And, you know, he was you know, it was a bad moment for him. And what happened was the Democrats overplayed their hand. They weren't satisfied to say that there had been a riot with people who broke away from, you know, the the Trump rally that had happened that day, which was itself foolish. The outcome was decided. It was time to move on. Um, Trump wouldn't do so. So there was this riot, but then they had to inflate it into an insurrection, make it the moral equivalent or worse than the Confederates firing on Fort Sumter or the 9-11 attacks, which Kamala Harris repeated last week. And they've created this committee in an unprecedented fashion. There, there are certainly precedents for special committees doing investigations before. There was one on Katrina, Hurricane Katrina. There's one on Benghazi. There's, you know, it's, but there's never yet been a congressional committee that was not formed with the consent of both parties in Congress. And what House Speaker Nancy Pelosi did was to deny the Republican conference the right to appoint its own members. Instead, she handpicked two Republican renegades, Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger, to join who have their own vendetta. And what they're doing on this committee as they have expanded its reach, they're not investigating the riot. They're basically investigating Trump and the Republican Party and everybody who voted for Trump, everybody who could conceivably you know, everybody who raised the question about the 2020 election results, whether that was smart or not, and turning that into a vast conspiracy. And there is a precedent for that, but it's not one that Democrats want to emulate or anybody should want to emulate. And that's McCarthyism. You know, it's right. like they're not going to say, are you now or have you ever been a member of a Trumpist conspiracy to overturn the government? Mm-hmm. But that's the whole point. That's why they're asking people, Fox News personalities, other members of Congress, the Republican leader, trying to hold them before this. This is illegitimate. It is something where they've lost the thread. You know, nobody on the right, nobody in the Republican Party can possibly countenance this because they know the object of this game is not to investigate the January 6th Capitol riot or even just to target Trump. It's to target the entire Republican Party, which Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger and Nancy Pelosi, of course, and, and Joe Biden want to burn down. And this is illegitimate. No matter whether you like Trump or not, what this committee is doing is unprecedented and it is, you know, a, a really bordering on illegal. I mean, it, it's really coming up because Congress isn't supposed to investigate crimes. 
and they are they are acting in this way um, to basically weaponize an event Correct. and make it a permanent issue in American politics. In and it's not to, working. And in order to win the next election. And yes, you're right. It's not going to work because nobody in the Republicans independent. 33 percent of the people approve of Biden right now. And 26 percent of Hispanics are leaving the Democratic Party. Record numbers of black men are leaving the Democratic Party. This is going to be major in 2022 if the Republicans correctly pick the right people and work on the issues and policies. Uh, I mean, the thought that they're talking about Hillary Clinton again running for president, that says everything. Then I wanted to ask you, because I could just see Sheldon's response to your article about the care advocacy uh, advocacy group. I could see Sheldon saying, you know what? They want an Islamophobia group. We're going to make one with fighting it, you know, promoting Jewish causes and, and, and people that support Israel and the Jewish people. So tell us a little bit about that, because you wrote a great article the other day. Yeah, thanks. Um, what what happened was is that CARE, which is the Council on American Islamic Relations, which was a group that was founded in this country in the 1990s as a political front for supporters of Hamas terrorists to raise money for Hamas in the United States. Um, uh, that's their origins. They um, masquerade as a civil rights group purporting to represent the interests of Muslim Americans. They're extremists. They're anti-Semites. Um, just, just a month ago, one of their leaders gave a speech, uh, a, an openly anti-Semitic speech, to Zahra uh, Bilu, uh, calling you know, for, for Muslims to basically shun Jews, any Jew who supports Israel. And um, you know, just in the most disgusting terms, Care wouldn't repudiate her. They supported her. So they've now issued a report in the manner of, say, ADL or, or you know, the American Jewish Committee. And they, they model themselves on the ADL. They, they're pretending to be the Arab AD, Muslim ADL. And they talked about $106 million going to Islamophobic groups and how terrible this is. And the point being, they want to get Jewish foundations, Jewish federations, mainstream philanthropies to stop giving to these Islamophobic groups, these groups that are promoting hate against Muslims. But it's a big lie. It's gaslighting because the groups and the seven that they uh, most highlighted, these are groups that are, that are about monitoring hate from within the Muslim community. So this is a hate group calling on the def- for the defunding of groups that monitor hate in the name of combating hate. I mean, it, it's bizarro. It, it, it's, it's insane. I mean, and the fact that it was picked up by the Jewish Telegraphic Agency um, and, and really, I mean, I have to say, I mean, my, my friends and colleagues there, I, I, I just didn't get that article at all. I think that was an irresponsible thing for doing. It's now been picked up by Time, Mag- Time Magazine. And what, the, what are they doing? They're targeting camera, the group that monitors um, media bias against Israel and the Jews in the media very effectively. They're, mon- they're trying to cut off the Middle East Forum, uh, Steve Emerson's investigative project for terrorism, um, you know, a, a host of other groups, uh, the Foundation for Defense, Defense of Democracies, which isn't even a Jewish group, but which is a think tank, Washington think tank that, that focuses on the threat from Iran and other foreign policy issues. Um, they're basically trying to cut off funding of all the groups they're doing the right thing on all these issues. And, and you know, our, my conclusion, you talk about what Sheldon would do. I mean, he'd be giving more to them. And that's what 
that's what everybody should be doing. Nobody should be taking care of recommendations and report seriously. They should be doubling down on it. But my fear is that liberal Jews are so afraid of being canceled, Mm -hmm. so afraid of being deemed politically incorrect and Islamophobic and the whole Islamophobia thing. It's not like there aren't, there isn't hate against Muslims, just like there's hate against Jews. But the point about Islamophobia is to flip the narrative. It's to convince people to stop talking about the hate that, hate that comes from the Muslim community, which is real, unfortunately. Yeah. I don't believe that care speaks for all Muslims. Indeed, no. you know, many moderate Muslims say they don't speak for more than 5 or 10% of Muslims. But they have successfully seized the leadership and the media treats them as if they do. And Muslims are afraid to speak out against them. And uh, this is this is an outrageous, outrageous thing. And I think it's an issue that's going to this is a story with legs that we're going to keep following, I'm sure. And we have to really be honest. You know, we know what a great uh, humanitarian he was with the Jewish people. But if we're going to remember Sheldon, honestly, don't forget, he was one of the few who paid weeks and months after COVID, all of the people that worked in his uh, hotels in Las Vegas, when many of the other owners did not support their their workers to make sure their workers had food. And he didn't care whether or not they were Jewish, Muslim or uh, Christian. In Israel, he funds hospitals and, and in educational institutions, and they don't ask them there if they're Jewish, Christian or Muslim, and they're living in Israel. So this man wanted to help everybody in a free world, in a democratic world. And that really is something that is not talked about enough, especially from Jewish people. I hear it from non-Jews. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's very true. Yeah. Um, and the one know, minute that we have left to the show, because <laughs> we're running right. out of time. Sorry. People are always curious about beginnings of the famous. Um, in just the last minute or two that we have, what do you know about Sheldon Adelson's upbringing? Was he born with, a, so to speak, silver spoon in his mouth? Well, or was opposite. it a rags to type of story for him? Yeah, I mean, he, he quite the opposite. He grew up in a, a Boston tenement, sleeping on the floor. Very, you know, very humble beginnings, poor people. I mean, he sold things in high school. He was always trying to, you know, he was Mr. After School Job. Um, he made and lost fortunes, but, he, you know, he made everything. He, he did everything himself from very, very humble beginnings. He was the quintessential 19th century rich guy story. The rags to riches, Horatio, Horatio Alger model, which is the opposite of the 21st century billionaire, as I pointed out, which is basically some nerd who invents some new app or new thing um, and then gets really rich and then really fashionable. Um, it was very different for him. Um, and you're right. He, he does, always behaved ethically. Um, he did have problems in Las Vegas with the unions, but that was about politics. Um, he, he was actually very good and kind to his workers and took care of them during the pandemic um, and was very fair-minded and always, you know, very open-handed and generous, you know, a tough businessman. But, um, you know, Judaism places, you know, a premium. You know, we are, ad- we are admonished to give it, you know, it tells us how to treat our fellow Jews. Yeah. It tra- tells us how to spend our money and, and the importance of tzedakah. And I can think of no one in this era or, or really almost any era who more exemplifies. I mean, this was not a you know, this was not a Torah scholar. This was not, you know, a highly educated person. This was a man who exemplified exactly what Judaism 
tells us exactly. to do with our lives. Absolutely. And, you know, I can give, I can pay him no higher praise than that. Yes. Okay. We are out of time. Sheldon Adelson's life was not just about what he did, but he set the standard for other Jews to follow in his footsteps. Being proud of one's Jewish heritage and unapologetically engaging in the interests of people and Israel. May Sheldon's memory be for a blessing. Thank you, Jonathan, for being with us here today on The Definitive Wrap. Thank you to our audience for tuning in. And thank you to Vin News for hosting our show. Thanks very much to both of you, Bail and Cindy. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Definitive Wrap with your hosts, Bela Seabrow and Cindy Gross. Be sure to tell your family and friends they also can catch The Definitive Wrap on Apple Music, Spotify, Google Play, and your favorite streaming service. See you next time on The Definitive Wrap.